This week in Mormons, Twilds is here again. I don't know what to do. This is the 470th time I've done one of these intros, and I just, uh, you know, I can't just say hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this week in Mormons. Great to have you here. Appreciate you taking the time to do so. We've got a great episode this week full of interesting content relevant to Latter-day Saints, and we're going to break it down. And I'm going to be joined this week by none other than a bit of a prodigal son we haven't heard from him in a while. Kurt Frankum from Leading Saints, everybody. I'm off probation. I appreciate it, Jeff. I, I don't I don't know what happened. You're kind of on a four or five week rotation usually, but we haven't had you around for a, a little well, bit. I, I'm, I'm grateful for the invitation. And even if you don't want to have me back, Jeff, we're, we're, we're friends for life, no, for Kurt, eternity, I'm, Jeff. Well, 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 I mean, I'm going to be in like a higher degree of glory than you. And so... Unless I come down to pay you a visit, I believe that's the official doctrine, right? I can yeah. go, I can visit the weaker people, but you. You know why that is, Jeff? Me. Is because you were a zone leader on your mission, and I only reached the rank of district leader. So I, th- I think in general, people who serve in Sacramento are just automatically prohibited from the highest degree of glory. Okay, Isn't that's that fair. True? That's yeah. fair. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and I spent a lot of that time in Stockton, California. So I mean, okay. that was that on was the a flip different side. Level. Those, I believe there are, uh, there's a scripture, I think, somewhere in one of the four Gospels where it says, like, those who serve in Stockton shall have eternal life. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, that's true. Yep. Because mm-hmm. Stockton's a that's rough right. town, man. So yeah. good, good on you. Harding Street, if you're from Stockton, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The fun trivia about Stockton is it's a port. You can take boats from Stockton out to the ocean in the middle of California. That's right. The, the California Delta makes all the way into Stockton. Hence and the name is, Stockton, right? Other than that and the University of the Pacific, there is nothing else to love about <laughs> Stockton. So good on you, sir. You've done I'm it. always surprised the direction our uh, intros go, the, the beginning of our banter, Jeff. Uh, I never My thought it'd go to My mind is full of ephemera. And it, it, is. Just, it just I goes mean, anywhere I want it to go. It's such a privilege to be in the presence of this mind. It's nice of you to say that. My wife has never said that, that it's a privilege to be. And our wives don't appreciate us, Jeff. They don't appreciate us. I think my wife appreciates me. Well, I don't know. There's been some text messages my way. (laughs) Because when I'm frustrated in my marriage, the first thing I do is I pick up my phone and I text Kurt and I'd be like, dude, women, am I right? I'll tell you what, there are a lot of people who are frustrated in their wards who do text me and do send me emails and say, my bishop's a wreck. Do you ever no. feel so? Do you ever? You run, you know, a, a leadership podcast and a website and a great resource. It's very, very popular. Um, but do you ever feel in a weird position? Like, are people coming to you to f- to like fix their ward issues, and you feel like it's not your place to do so? You're trying to equip people with the tools necessary to make their own decisions. And do you feel like they come to you almost as like a, a therapist or a counselor, like Kurt, fix my ward for me? You know, you know, there's been some interesting interactions. I mean, I definitely get those emails of like, let me go down the laundry list of the mistakes that our leaders are making in our area. That and, usually is productive doing that. Yeah, and I kind of yes. look at the, I kind of look at the email like, okay, like at the end of the day, I'm just a guy in my basement that does this podcast, and I have no authority or even experience. I mean, I have a marketing degree. You couldn't even say that I'm a, uh, you know, professional leadership consultant. But nonetheless, you know, I've been around the block a few times with different subjects. So I do my best to respond and encourage them. But um, yeah, there's really nothing I can do. But I do hear, I mean, I've got some stories for you, Jeff, that I probably would not mention publicly on this podcast. But uh, (laughs) off the record, less fun, but I I accept. That's fine. Anyways, but uh, yeah, 
But I wanted you were speaking about our wives, and uh, they're both in an interesting, similar predicament at this time of a uh, quarantine and a, a pandemic. Am I right? Yeah. yeah, they are with child. Yeah, and I I actually don't think I've ever talked about that we're having a baby on the oh, show yeah? this time. Or, this Sorry, time did around, you, do you not want to divulge this? I don't care. At this point, no, we're good. <laughs> it's going to happen, right? Literally everyone knows. Yeah, we're having a you're having a baby a little bit sooner than us, but Yeah, our due date is April 12th, and it yeah. sounds like you have a scheduled we're, C-section, so your due date is going to happen. Sure. Do you want to talk about all the other particulars of the procedure? Um, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> Let's What what jump. else about my wife's medical history this do you is, want to learn this about is what, on here? <laughs> I didn't sign I didn't sign any uh OSHA form. What's the not OSHA? What's the uh OSHA's occupational safety. That's but anyways, right. yes, you're having a baby in about two weeks. I'm having a baby in about four weeks. And it's all and it's love in the time of corona, everybody. That's, That's what's right. going on. So it's a little weird, right? Yeah. Dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah, there's but some it, anxieties, right? I mean, I'm every but every household in this world is dealing with anxieties in their own form. And we just have our own, right? Yeah, but having a kid the, the irony is we deliberately wanted to avoid having a kid in the middle of winter because of flu season. Because kids born in winter, it's just, it's a risk and they often get yeah. sick and they wind up being sickly a lot when they're kids, when that happens. Uh, so I just, you know, irony of ironies. Here we are. We were so happy. We're like, oh, we got a spring baby. You know, it'll be late April, early May, something like that. Great times. And now it's like, or we're dead in the middle of a global pandemic. Yippee. That yeah, could like- go as far as prohibiting even me from being in the hospital with my wife during the birth, which Virginia hasn't done that yet. And I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but... That's our big fear. Yeah, my Fun wife times. had an appointment today, which was done remotely, and uh, and they sort of talked that through. Like, there's been talk, you know, that these are procedures and policies happening in other parts yeah. of the country, and so you know, don't plan on it, but uh, but it, it could be reality. I can't imagine just like just sitting there in my house and then getting a a few text message pictures. I mean, I don't know, you know, of, of the new baby, but uh, no, that's that, a reality for some people. Luckily, you are in Utah whose government cares less to tell you what to do in terms of public safety. So they're just going to let you make your own decision, buddy. Yeah. Don't worry. Though I know Gerbert, Gerbert, Herbert kind of, uh, he laid down a bit more of a gauntlet to today, this, this week, right? Didn't they? They're not, they're not doing like misdemeanor fines, but they did sort of say, folks, stay at home. Yeah. They're, they're Stop. using their dad voice, you know, yeah, when they tell us these things. So they're, it, they're going to lovingly invite you to it, and if you uh, refuse to obey, you will be brought into some form of council of love. That's right, <laughs> which will include your local church authority. Um, that would be the ultimate Utah thing if it's some random civic infraction, and they're like, and by the way, we're bringing your bishop in on this so he knows what you did wrong. And you're like, none of us should be in a room together at all right now. What do you people think? <laughs> we're not going to give you a ticket, but you'll get a phone call from your bishop, and yeah, something he like will that. not be pleased. So. Um, Utah, of course, has led the way in a couple of great, great, great ways. And the thing that made me the happiest right after last week's show went up, I'm sure you caught the wonderful news that because of the waves of missionaries being chartered in from the Philippines back to Utah, everyone just disregarded all the council for social distancing. And there's this mass of people not crowding the airport itself. Very nice of them, right? They still, I guess, technically heeded President Hinckley's old admonishment not to flood the the air the baggage area with homecomings. Instead, everyone's just shoulder to shoulder in the parking lot, right? Just filling it up. Who cares? And Arms the best locked, thing, right? Just like the, 
And the best thing about one of the videos of it that went around is it shows this massive group of people. And then there's one shot because the the video is kind of like it's facing into the parking lot with the airport, you know, behind exit behind the person filming it. So then coming from behind a dad, I'm assuming it's a dad and his son he just picked up. Right. Just kind of like pally by, just kind of walk by and walk through the crowd. I'm like, and there's the one person who obeyed. Like, here's a dad who said, everyone stay home. I know you want to see him. I'm going to go get him from the airport. I'll bring him back. We're good. And every, just shame on all of you, Kurt. It, what are w- your it was a lapse of judgment for sure, and uh, and but it seems like everybody fell in line since then. I mean, people have been staying in their cars. And it, is it better? Person. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I haven't. From what I've seen, things. just different friends and individuals that have picked up their um, their loved one that's returning, maybe a little early or on time yeah. as well. Um, yeah, just chilling in their car with maybe a sign. Uh, welcome home, sitting in their trunk, you know, and uh, yes, definitely it's a a new world out there, Jeff. It it is, I know, and we've talked about coronavirus so much. Is there anything else? Over the past few weeks. It's one of those things, like, I'm so tired of talking about it, but it is literally sucked the air out of the room of the entire world, that there's nothing else. It's literally the only thing. I mean, you've got... You've got Jimmy Fallon doing the Tonight Show on his iPhone in his house. Like this is what we've become. I mean, Johnny Carson is is just rolling over. But hey, you know, well, do the, what the, you got to do. The amazing thing is thinking about the you know back if this happened with Carson being on, they would have just shown reruns, and they could still show reruns now of these shows. But I guess they've decided it's more interesting and said like, no, guys, just like do shows from your house and do whatever you want and figure it out. I don't know, but. Uh, uh, it, there's nothing else to talk about. I mean, it is weird because right now we're finally here. This It's affected church stuff a ton. we got some more of that to t- get into. And then it's general conference this coming weekend. We're finally at our, our strangely organized general conference. So it's all coming to a head. General conference, COVID-19, septu and octo and, and nonagenarians speaking to us for a full weekend. A nexus of truth and disease. You think they, I was kind of pondering over this to sort of, I, I can't wait. I mean, for this start and just see what this, this setup looks like, because are they going to, is they said this first presidency will be there along with whomever's speaking, but is the first presidency, are they going to space their chairs like 10 feet apart? If I they mean, don't, I cry foul. I think I was right. I mean, the way this is set up though, I don't know. Like, is it going to be like a lot of these broadcasts when they show the bigger group and then they, you know, zoom in for whoever's speaking or are they just straight up just going to show a pulpit? We don't know where everybody else is in the room. They're never going to have any pan wide shots. Cause what is, this isn't the conference center. Like what are they going to show? Behold our beautiful soundstage. Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> and in, in my opinion, like if they let president Nelson out of his home without a mask on, or, I mean, the man is in his mid nineties. I mean, yeah. Every precaution to the extreme should be done for this beloved prophet, you know, like the last thing we know that we may lose him in the next five years, just, you know, statistically speaking, but to lose him in a, in the context of this pandemic would be awful. And so I'm sure I'm obviously they have very smart people that are thinking through these things, but it'd be interesting. I'm just intrigued by it all. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by it as well. I think it'd be really funny if we see them all sitting apart, especially because every session is going to have just the first presidency and the speakers and prayers, mm-hmm. not prayers. I sounded prayers, <laughs> spelled the same way, I guess, but <laughs> that sounded very to prayers, prayers. Um, 
But that would amount to the three of them, and there's approximately six or seven talks a session-ish, usually, right? Plus the prayers. I mean, you're looking at, you know, 10 plus people in a room, easy, every session. Right. And so and, how and big does the room have to be if you space all of them out by six feet? Because all they've said is that it's going to be, how do they it's going to be in a, a conference, what, what, how, what's the word they use? Conference room on they, Temple Square, They right? described it as a studio on Temple Square, whatever that means. Like, it's, I feel like there's some random hidden space there. Uh, can't they just say it's a studio that's in the visitor center? Because that's what I'm assuming Especially that Especially since like half the but, buildings on Temple Square have been torn down. Yeah, to me, too. like, it's probably going to be the assembly hall, right? I mean, I can't imagine, I mean... It's, no, I know, I know. I think they're going to do this, and I don't know where they always do these broadcasts. When we have regional broadcasts, but I assume it's that facility or one similar to right. it. You know, when you have the regional broadcast, it's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. fake living room, and they sit there and laugh, and someone gives a talk and says, like, you know, because when it's like North America, Northeast, they'll be like, I, uh, my wife and I passed through Ohio once, and we have great memories of that fine area, and that way all the Ohioans say, like, oh, they know me. They know me. So I assume it'll be in that facility. But I'm pretty sure that room is in the church office building, which is that that's not Temple Square, right? I don't know. Maybe it is. It depends. Have we stretched out what Temple Square means ever since they took over Main Street right there and stretched it out? Is it all Temple Square? I don't know. Do you think that uh, maybe it's in the Relief Society building? And then I just think about like the, the brand new 70 who's like, he was tasked to speak in this general conference six months ago. And he, he's got this great, great talk prepared about tithing and he'll stand up there and we'll all think, Great talk on tithing, but like again, like there's nothing else we can talk about than this trauma that the world is experiencing. And I don't know, you know, yeah, conference bingo ought to be fun this time around. Like, right. how many, how many mentions of coronavirus are we going to get? How many mentions or even jokes about social distancing? That'll be fun. All new terms. Like every time you thought someone was going to mention pornography, that's going to be swapped out for something else. Now this might be the first pornography free conference whoa is that your first conference prediction jeff there's my first conference prediction because i don't know no mention of the word pornography in an unpredictable era it's difficult to predict anything from this conference but yeah (laughs) but yeah (laughs) Yeah. my only other prediction would be that things get even worse this week and then conference they even cancel the studio space and conference just becomes one large slack group and we just hang out there right and that's it or, or a, a big Zoom meeting where just like you see some of these uh, choirs that are doing these, you know, remote choirs. Yeah. It's going to be the 15 okay. windows of our prophets, seers, and revelators speaking to us through Zoom. All at once. All at once. That's beautiful. That'd be awesome. This beautiful One montage. united voice. Honestly, here's here's the other thing I wonder. I, hmm. I don't know if this will be the case or not. It, we don't know how it's going to be laid out. Because they're using a studio and because we're not in the conference center, and if they don't show everyone sitting down, they could be pre-recording things for extra mm. safety. They could say those people are going to be present, or they could, as we, for all we know, as we speak, just be just having them do their talks the past week and a half, get it all just spun up, and we'll never be the wiser for it, right? True. But, I mean, that that's a pretty risky uh, thing to do when in such a changing world. Yes. Right? Yes. I agree. But I know I've heard this is, I heard secondhand, uh, but I'm pretty certain the, the choir pre-recorded. So it's not going to be like 1997, you know, tabernacle choir music. It's going to be, you know, 
recently. I want, and I want to know how they pulled that off because they announced that the choir would be pre-recorded pretty quickly. Um, so somewhere in there, I don't know, the whole choir zip up to the conference center and they had them and they filmed them performing everything just one night. I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious if that's going to be because I, I've been under the impression because conference is supposed to be special this time around. We're talking about the bicentennial of the first vision. Um, and that's a great thing to celebrate. And we know the Saturday evening session is supposed to be this really cool celebration of the first vision. And who knows how that's going to be scaled now. I don't know what that's going to be all about. Uh, but I've been under the assumption there'll be potentially even like new musical numbers, stuff we haven't even heard before to celebrate this, especially, I mean, what a great way to debut a new official hymn that'll go into the forthcoming new hymn book. I could see a lot of this going down. So never, never doubt Mac Wilbur. Okay. Never. I he don't. Do it. I doubt do Craig. It. I doubt Craig Jessup because the man's a quitter. Just quits. <laughs> well, what an awkward meeting that must have been. It's been years, but when you're just doing your Motab rehearsal on a Tuesday night, and Craig Jessup walks in and reads a letter and just says, "I I'm done," and just leaves, and you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and he's never been heard from again. Well, I hear he went and played baseball for the Chicago White Sox. So. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what they do. Yeah, that's what they yeah, do. with Michael Jordan. Um, any other? Well, I mean, I guess since we're on conference. Do you have any yeah, other should thoughts? We any jump other, down any other... that wormhole? Sure, why not? <laughs> With predictions, I, I listened. Uh, you soothed me to sleep last night, Jeff, as I was listening to your temple predictions. Thank you. They have that effect and, on people. It's like taking melatonin. In I I love to hear Jeff in this in that context because you absolutely love it. I mean, I I I appreciate a good temple prediction, but man, you go to lengths that I would not even consider in uh, predicting temples and. Uh, now I don't some have might, any predictions. Some might call me annoying and fastidious. Yes. Chief I, I, among I, them, my wife. As I was dozing off, I was thinking, I heard you mention something about West Valley City, and I remember thinking, I should be offended by this or something, but uh, I forget what it was exactly. Uh, we didn't do much ragging on West Valley City. That was last time around when Taylorsville wound up getting the temple instead of West sure. Valley City. Well, uh, th- I'm th- I'm classifying the taylorsville as the west valley City I, Temple, which is which is funny because if you actually look at the map where they're building it isn't it like an intersection away from the west valley city line it's yeah. basically it's right literally a, a mile away from where i grew up from my like if child at home so no we didn't rag on west valley city i think all we said was hey the taylorsville temple is effectively a west valley city it is temple yes. so I, i'm i'm pleased i'm satisfied with that yeah so, so, do you have any questions about? We well, you know you don't always love temple predictions. I know you think it's a silly, silly, silly time. <laughs> I think you uh, you put too much weight on that opinion of of what I think of temple predictions. Think I it's think very... it's great, and I've been amazed at how precise you've been at times. Uh, didn't you, didn't you have a few ringers uh, last conference? We did. We did really well last time around. I mean, we thought there would be a second temple in in Guad, another temple in Guatemala, maybe Guatemala City. Instead, it went in a different place in Guatemala. There's a handful we got right last time around. Yeah, I was intrigued by your Cache well. Valley prediction. I think that makes complete sense. It, seems it does about make complete, time, right? And that's a new one for us. It's not one of our old you know standbys that we bring up all the time, like uh, Mongolia or Colorado Springs or something. I could see North Cache Valley being a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Harriman surprised me, but I guess I, it's blowing up out there. But it's blowing up out there. But you got a temple coming in in Saratoga Springs as well. So oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know. But folks, if you want to listen to more of that, that's right. That's we the don't show. Want to rehash before. anything? We can rehash all you want because oh, you no. you are a different, unique voice with your own perspectives, Kurt. And that's the oh, beauty thank of you, it. Jeff. But thank you. 
I, I don't want to waste your time on a topic that I, I think it's just because I love demography. I love stats and metrics, and I and a lot of that goes into figuring out temples along with prayer. And so it's a fun study to try to kind of peg where these might might come up. I don't know if it's like the thrill of trying to game the church and being like, I think I've got this figured out. I think I know where this might be happening before you tell anyone about it. Bwah ha ha. So in, in regards to other conference predictions outside of temples, like do you, obviously there's going to be an extra focus on the restoration. Um, do you Apparently. feel like at this point with, especially with the pandemic, like it's just going to be a good solid push and emphasis on, you know, a lot of talks about the restoration, about Joseph Smith. Um, and then, you know, throughout those, a lot of talks about hope and encouragement. Uh, I would do you think we're going to see anything more than that? I I would have assumed something like that. I would assume previously almost everything would be about the restoration. But now with, I, I think the problem is coronavirus has, like we said, just sucked all the air out of the room. Now all we expect to hear about are things like hope. And I feel like only in the past four days or so as the church kind of turned around and started remembering the messaging about like, oh yeah, the whole first vision thing we're celebrating. Like, hey guys, study this. Here's some other things. And now we're putting out more content to rev up for the weekend, which I think in any other circumstance we would have been doing much earlier. This would have been a campaign going back to January to pump people up for this. Uh, So I think it'll be a mix. Hopefully, you know, because they can't just like ignore the elephant in the room. They can't just, if they did, that'd be hilarious though. If they just show up in their studio and just give talks about the restoration and never even address what's actually going on. If they do that, I will give them mad props. Mad props. For staying on message, right? I will officially call W. Craigswick and rescind my formal complaint about him using his church email account to solicit political contributions. I will. <laughs> so, but I can imagine, like, you know, in the past few conferences, there's been some significant, you know, announcements, everything from two hour church to the youth program. But I can't imagine just a random administrative announcement, right? I, I think. I and mean, that would be shocking if they're saying, yeah, and we're going to change up Sunday school. We'd all be like, well, okay. Do you, do you think it would be shocking in light of coronavirus or just shocking because they've hyped up this conference as very First Vision Restoration specific in the first place? More of a celebratory think, conference. Yeah, I think I, the coronavirus, it, I mean, they could do those things if even if it was the, the original game plan. But uh, but now it's just like, yeah. I, 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 because we're, we were so, I don't know. I mean, home church was sort of fun and exciting the first couple of weeks, but now, I mean, we do it, but it's sort of like, <laughs> am I saying too much, Jeff? Am no, I, no, you're fine. I think you speak. But I don't know. It's just like, like, I remember the, the, the first week it was like, man, I like took some time to like, you know, go through some symbolism talk with my kids. You know, I've got a seven-year-old and a, and a five-year-old and it was like, wow. And, you know, and then the second week was kind of great. Now the third week, it was sort of like, all right, you know, we're going to church, you know, and this is important. And, and the, I think the, the shine of it is sort of worn off with the kids and things. So I don't know, like now, like anything administrative, it will just be like, ah, oh, we'll long for the days of yeah. Just going to church and man, I wish I could worry about Sunday school right now. But I kind of cracked up on Saturday night when my my almost five year old said like what said what are we doing for fake church tomorrow? That was the best. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, we're still doing church. It's not like like fake fake. I I, th- I don't know if the novelty's totally worn off. I feel like I'm still kind of navigating the best way to do it. Like obviously, we know some things like scheduling wise with kids, like don't do it too close to lunchtime or you'll have no attention because they're hungry and difficult and angry, at least in our case. Um, I've debated whether I should get the kids more dressed up or not. 
like if it'll instill in them any sense of reverence for what they're doing. We haven't done that yet. Yeah. My I wife- dressed up more. The first week I wore like like a nice shirt and slacks and stuff, but now I'm wearing a tie every week. And, and even little things we didn't think about, like blessing the sacrament. I think the first week I got like a tray out and some stuff and we just did the sacrament. But now I've I've moved into the place where I have a little white cloth I put down. I put it down like normal. I cover it. I'm actually uncovering each one in sequence as you do with the sacrament. So I don't know. We're getting our we're getting our yeah our vibe on. And now that Virginia has been told to do social distancing until the end of April, I've at least got four more of these in me, if not five. So we'll see. And and my uh, my bishop, I I don't I think this I don't know if this was a, a general uh, announcement, but he was. This this last week he said, you know, do you're welcome to sacrament in in your home or uh, you know the sacrament in your home, but don't go to other people's home. Yeah. Don't have the priesthood yeah. right yeah. and do it. So, um, yeah, it's uh, but yeah, is- my wife my wife declared last week we our church begins at two o'clock every week until this is over. I said, okay, all right, look at look at you, thank you. So, well, I think that works. I mean, yeah. different for everyone, but. I think the best thing is to have a plan and try to treat yeah. things as regimented and normal as you would. Yeah, otherwise. like structure is important, right? Structure, you can't like, structure hey, is important. Why don't we gather around and do this thing? But uh, yeah, structure, structure is super important. The first week we did it, I got my guitar out to be. We don't have a piano, so I thought I'd use that for the musical accompaniment. But the boys thought that was way too exciting, and so they were getting out all their fake instruments and like harmonicas and drums. So I'm trying to do "I'm a Child of God" while they're just going da 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 and just banging. Nice. This nice. week we compromised where I didn't bring the guitar out until the very end. And then we finished with it. I'm excited to see. I don't know. I don't, I haven't minded it, but it's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a thing we're figuring out. Um, another fun little bit of history here. Peggy Fletcher Stack's been on a roll this week, everybody. Except she didn't write this one. Robert Kirby did. But... <laughs> The weird thing is, this is like a straight-up normal piece from Robert Kirby. Robert Kirby, I don't actually, like, deliberately, I run Twim, I call the shots, and I go out of my way not to cover Kirby stuff very often, because I don't, I don't like Robert Kirby's content very much. Because it's sort much. of a, a humor column, right? He usually I mean, writes a, a humor, satirical tries to be cute. column. And sometimes, he's written some that are better and worse, and yada yada. But overall, I'm like, I don't, I'm not on the Kirby train for the most part. However, this is more of a straight-up news article about how the church responded to the Spanish flu outbreak 100 years ago. And you've probably seen a little bit of this in your feeds uh, over the past little bit. But it's pretty interesting to get a, a deeper dive into what went down, especially as it pertained to Utah. Because in 1919, people were sort of breathing a sigh of relief. It seemed to have passed. The numbers were dropping. Things were getting better. Uh, however... Sorry, it's funny though he says 1919, because it was in 1918, the end of 1918, when there was Armistice Day, right? November 11th, when Germany surrendered in World War I. Many Utahns threw caution to the wind and went outside and celebrated and blah, blah, blah. And then the cases of Spanish flu spiked severely in Utah. Uh, And so much so, they actually argue that Joseph F. Smith, the prophet at the time, had poor health most of the year. He died of pneumonia later that same year. So it was pneumonia, but he was like, you mentioned, you know, President Nelson needing to wear a mask, and basically, you had a prophet in this situation who was susceptible to a health crisis and was not necessarily kept away from a uh, a difficult and uh, threatening situation. But it's kind of a fun breakdown just to find out the history of what we did, how they they canceled conference initially in the year when it was going on. They decided to move it to the summertime. They went to great lengths to 
just try to keep people apart, even if it wasn't perfect. Uh, and also, the great thing we learned about is the way the sacrament changed at the time. Yeah, this that, I wasn't aware of, that uh, we were a one one mug club here. We, we rocked the chalice like our Catholic friends, yeah. So for six years, from 1912 to 1918, there was the allowed use of individual cups, but the church did not strongly encourage it, and it seemed to mostly happen in the Salt Lake Valley. However, Smith's successor, Heber J. Grant, was more hygienically minded because he'd served on the Utah Public Health Association's board of directors. And as the article says, he understood that the pandemic wasn't finished with Utah and you had to take extreme measures to prevent the spread. And in this case, an extreme measure was deciding that everyone should have separate sacrament cups. And that would be a great way not to pass germs. And we've spoken a bit weeks ago on the show about like other ways that we could, even with the way we do the sacrament now, because the bottom line is we're all grabbing a tray and like, what do we do about that? Do we do what the saints in Japan were doing, where they were the deacons were wearing gloves and they were carrying the tray across the pews so no one touched it? I don't know. Maybe that's the next phase, right? Maybe that for all we know, the church is reconceiving how we even partake of the sacrament in light of what we're experiencing now. We don't know. Maybe that'll be the big drop you're looking for, Kurt. Maybe they'll say, so here's what's going to happen with the sacrament from now yeah, on. Exa- yeah, that's true. That is something that could very likely happen. Passing the, we're going to redesign our chapels so the pews are deep enough that deacons can walk through them without having to like stumble over people, like a full architectural redo just to accommodate that. Or, or maybe we even take a year and you know we do the sacrament from home, and then you come to church and we keep social, you know, uh, social distancing there, but it's a little more lax than we're at right now. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the real upside is I hardly go to elders quorum anyway, so I'm fine. Like, I'm not sitting next to anybody. I try to find some guy with a kid in the hall and then, you know, talk to because that's, that's a lot better. You know, what I appreciated most, I mean, the, this article is really interesting. And again, I learned some historical things. And I've and I always heard about the, you know, the Spanish flu and, um, and how, you know, it did delay conference and things like that. But I just appreciated reading this account. And I mean, the, the death toll was traumatic and awful. But it's just comforting, comforting to... Just understand the the world's been through this before. The church has been through this before, and you know we found some normalcy. We came out of it, and I don't know. I think there's just some hope in this in this article as well. So there is, yeah. It's a, it's like a straight up good piece, you know. Um, quick, curious, Kurt. Did you fast globally? Did you have an experience with this this weekend when the whole church was invited and all of Christendom? I was did. invited yes. to fast. Yeah, I, it was kind of cool and encouraging uh, to kind of see some of that, that invitation sort of spill over outside of our religious community to others. Um, and I don't know if, how effective that was or if there really was a, a change or a, a, more of a effort to fast outside of our uh, Latter-day Saint community. But um, yes, I did fast, and you can uh, empathize with me when, when you are the person, only person in your home that really fast. It's makes for an interesting as I'm sitting around watching my yeah, you know, family yeah. eat waffles with whipped cream and and sure. you know but anyways it was I'm, it was I'm great. in the same boat man I feel you. <laughs> we Elbow tried to get, we tried we tried to get our kids to fast and explain like it's just giving something up. Mm. And so the That's thing was like approach. was like you can't use your little Kindle fire for, for the, ten minutes. The, well, we said it was Saturday night. We're like from like now until like nap time for your brother tomorrow, and this did not go over well. <laughs> there was a. I will never fast for anything. Fasting doesn't work. Fasting doesn't work. That's what we were told. The beginning of the faith crisis. It happened so young. 
Okay. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Sorry. Hear It'll that. be all right, Jeff. It'll be all right. So, Jeff, there is uh, actually a right before we started recording, something hit uh, hit the news here as far as an announcement related to the missionaries. First Presidency yeah. announces yeah. additional options for missionaries amid COVID-19. And this was quite interesting because there has been – I've heard talk here and there from people saying, hey, you know, because the idea was that, okay, we're sending these missionaries home and then they need to be quarantined for 14 days at least and then they'll be reassigned. And so everybody's like, great, awesome plan, let's do that. And then – they all come home. We kind of get over the excitement of them coming home, and then we look at each other and say, "Hey, so when is what's this reassignment going to happen? How's that yeah, work?" Yeah. And so uh, this article that is uh, released through the Church News said uh, the uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic has required many adjustments to missionary service, including the need for large numbers of missionaries to return to the United States. Yada yada yada. The ability to reassign these missionaries, even on a temporary basis, has now become more limited by changing conditions. This has created a measure of uncertainty for many missionaries and their families. Because, I mean, I think about it, Jeff, like, even if we did reassign them and send them out there, like, we send them out to Arkansas and then they just have to stay in their apartment, you know, like, really, we can't reassign them until, I would guess, I mean, this is just me speculating, like, until even the general workforce gets back to work, right? Because, um, obviously, nobody wants anybody to knock on their door or have a, a lesson in their home, but... um so it says for missionaries from the United States and Canada, um, it says uh, missionaries returning to the United States and Canada from international assignments are temporarily released and choose by April 30th, 2020, yeah. to be reinstated either to the original or temporary assignment as soon as conditions allow uh, with the original end with the original end date or return to service within 12 to 18 months with the new end date. Uh, okay. So so basically it's do you want the coronavirus issues to just eat into your total 2-year time and you'll still end at your 2-year time whenever you go back out or do you want to tack on more time to make up for the time lost, right? Right. And really but it's still like all of it is still like wait and see, right? And to yeah, me like yeah. you there you may have a gung-ho missionary that just has been home a week and he's excited to get back but then suddenly it's September and then where is he at, right? It's um, funny cuz none of the uh, there's no option that says choose to be honorably released, is there? Um, and not and just not carry forward. Is that not an option? Let's see. I thought there was something in here that mentioned that. So, um, no, it just mentions the online MTC people um, and prospective missionaries. Um, so, yeah, it seems like – I don't know. I mean, I guess you could do that, right? I mean, you could just never get around to choosing, but do you need to notify somebody when by well, and April and if, you, and if you don't choose, are you, are you quote, dishonorably released? <laughs> right, yeah. I, I, do you not get the pension? I would hope. You know, is that like – Right. <laughs> <laughs> Does your wife become uglier, Jeff? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Undoubtedly, she's probably from like Magna or uh, <laughs> West Valley City. Oh, you like went that. there. You, Jeff. Some, somewhere like that. Had to. So anyways, and then it, you know, it talks about the uh, missionaries that are participating in online missionary MTC training. Choose by April 30th to uh, be released after online missionary training and reinstated to either original or temporary assignments or released and returned to service within 12 to 18 months. Because, yeah, you think about all those missionaries who've started this interesting MTC training. It's like, well, it's not like – that's over in two weeks or three weeks. So then what happens? So now there's the option of, well, 
then you need to answer the question of yeah. what you want to do, right? Well, that's interesting. So. Um, also, speaking of the, the MTC training, uh, right before that, I believe the same day today, the church published an article about just sort of a, a look into what this new virtual MTC means for missionaries and instructors, a peek behind the scenes of how it all works. Uh, my biggest question is, what is the budget for Zoom? Because the church is clearly shelling out serious coin for all the all the missionaries to be instructed via Zoom. That is that is a platform of choice, everybody. Sorry, Skype, your day. Are, are they using Zoom? I mean, do we yeah, have- yeah, they're using. They yeah. even they even Zoom drop in the article itself. But you can tell from the picture they're using Zoom. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm assuming it's paid because you know, you hit that 40 minute cap if it's a free version, folks. That's not going to work. For missionary lessons, no way. But it's 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 cool. So they, they show up from the missionaries' perspectives, from the instructors' perspectives, how they go about all these things, and and it's good to see. Like we've talked about, they're trying to have as much continuity, as much structure as they can have. I mean, these missionaries, even though you are remote, you are presumably like living with your parents or whatever. And I can't imagine how complicated that is when you're a set apart missionary and your whole family's living family life, and you're just like just gonna go in my room and read. Yeah, with the door open, because um, you're still assigned a companion. You still have a district like you would otherwise, and you get to know each other. And they show these like there's two sisters being called to Spain, unfortunately Madrid, so their lives will not be as fulfilling. But they're still have a good time. Um, but it's great because they like show how they chat on Zoom, like these companions who will both be going to Madrid, Spain, and how they have companionship study. They have time totally separate from class where they go and hop on Zoom and chat with one another. And study and get these things done. Uh, I'm just super grateful for technology. Man, if this whole thing had hit even 10 years ago, we would not be in the place we are today. It's amazing what we can still accomplish, even if it, no, it's not as ideal as being in the MTC together and feeling the, that spirit and going to devotionals and eating the bad food in the cafeteria and all that stuff. But it's amazing that we can still pull this off this much. What, what, I, what I do think is curious, though, what remains to be seen, uh, unless I missed it in the article you were talking about, what happens if this goes on so long that they do their virtual MTC training and they finish their virtual MTC training time, but they still can't go to the field? What do they do? Yeah, so in that article, it talks about, um, where is it? Um, how that they'll, that's when they, by April 30th, they need to make the same choice of yeah because it just all says, missionaries are making it just says they will complete their online MTC training and begin service in a mission in their home country as soon as conditions allow so i guess the the one risk here is there they could complete their MTC time and it could still be unsafe to even the conditions don't allow it and they could say well this is nice just uh, keep studying and right. we'll, we'll or do they release them as they're think, releasing no, yeah, all the they do, all the others they do a, a temporary release and then they go back to Netflix for, for Scott, and wait and see. But then well, it's like, and then maybe, I don't know, at some point they say, okay, we're now, you know, maybe it, they do it regionally that they say, you know, everybody, you know, in the Midwest or states were sending missionaries there. So you'll be notified if you're one of those missionaries. I don't know. I mean, I, would I mean, imagine it's not just one blanket, like, all right, we're back. We're on track, you know? You gotta just bless all the kids doing this. I mean, it's not oh, what you expected. It's not what you expected oh. when you when you went in for your your mission. And I mean, I think the upside is when this passes, they'll be of this generation that'll look back and say, like, yeah, I was part of the whole coronavirus thing. Like, no, I didn't go to the Provo MTC. I don't know what any of that is like. I I 
I did my 12 weeks of language study and I still never went to the field. So I tried to retain all the Mandarin they taught me or the Cantonese they taught me. And then I was released for two months where I just got a job and hung out. And then I went back. It's It's got to be so... Yeah, I mean, stop, that, so I, stop and go for them. That's that's lots tough. of prayers for these missionaries because I mean I can't imagine being um you know nine months ten months out I'm I'm getting a hold of the language and now I'm home and then suddenly I'm I'm going to Oklahoma and yeah. maybe I'll be able to use my language but you know it, and it's just you know you sort of have this dream these expectations and then they're shattered and I mean I'd be really bummed out if I were in the groups of missionaries who were I think it was anyone who'd be what slated to be released by September 30th was what they were working oh, yeah. with and they're just coming home and they're just done. Right. right. And that's it. That would be a bummer because you're so into it, especially by, at least for me, by the end of my mission was the yeah. time I was the most into it. It was the time I cared the least about homes, distractions or any of that stuff. Yeah. You found your stride and then. And, you've, well, and then you get sent home early. At the same time, I'd be kind of glad that I wouldn't have to deal with this sort of stuttered approach, which is necessary. And it's great that we can do it at all. But I'd at least have a sense of relief of like, okay, my mission was cool. It stinks. It's done early. But. I am released and now my job is to just press forward and move on and not just wait around for my lottery number, so to speak. So yeah, trade-off. So bless you all missionaries. That's right. Whoever may um, hear this within the sound of my voice, if you're getting released this week and you suddenly listen to podcasts again, good for you. We'll see you on the on the other side. So I'll go with this uh, article that the, the trip put out about um, the – if I had all my stories uh, here uh, organized well. I mean, you do a great job, but I am making this muddy on my end, Jeff. Uh, the first vision most Latter-day Saints know little about. So it's a pretty in-depth article written by Peggy Fletcher Stack about uh, the first vision, the different accounts, uh, maybe how some details and perspectives we don't understand as much because we do give extra emphasis on the first vision account that's actually canonized in the Pearl of Great Price. Right. Um, and so, you know, in our in our effort to prepare for this general conference uh, to study the restoration, I think it's, uh, it's worth exploring. Uh, how would you – have you done anything special, unique, a different approach as far as the restoration, all things considered? Like the – You virus? mean like prep for conference or – Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, to be perfectly candid, no, I think coronavirus has sucked up all my attention, you know, trying to like deal with all of this. It's bad. Yeah. I have not been diligent in that, but I, I like, I think many would be in that same boat. Yeah. And, um, which is unfortunate. I, I did in reading this account, ironically, like we've had stuff coming from the church to remind us to study on the first vision, but actually reading this one from Peggy Fletcher Stack in the Trib. It reminded me of a few years ago now, I guess three years ago, when I was teaching gospel doctrine and I got to teach the lesson on, I remember actually I'd just been called. My first lesson I taught was the first vision and it was great because it was the first time they had incorporated some of the components of the gospel topics essays into the Doctrine and Covenants manual, recognizing the multiple accounts of the first vision, but, you know, encouraging us to cover that, not just try to give the official one from the Pearl of Great Price, but to talk about this as an issue. And while I don't remember every detail from the time I gave that lesson, that was an enriching study for me uh, just to get into the discrepancies between them. Where's the overlap? Where are the commonalities? Uh, and, and what can we learn from all of it? And so even reading this Peggy Fletcher Stack article, which is essentially going into the same stuff, that actually kind of 
gave me a desire to make sure I go back and read through some first vision before this weekend, just so I'm see how I'm feeling about it, how pumped up I am yeah. about things. So, I, I mean, I love the article. It talks a lot about it. I was confused by the headline because it says it's like a lesser. Right. It gives you the sense that there's, they've got uh, this. That there's like a new one. The first vision. Version, most le- yeah. yeah. But it's really the first vision. Most Latter-day Saints know little about. I think maybe they've updated the headline because it made it seem like there was an extra account that nobody yeah. talked about. But it's great that they talk a lot about it. And I do think most Latter-day Saints don't know that there are multiple and in some ways competing accounts of the first vision. Yeah, that share very different details from time to time. I mean, not very like conf- not a lot of conflicting details, I would say. But, uh... but but one of my favorite things that comes from this, and that I also learned when I gave this lesson years ago, is that the uh, you know the first vision was not this great tenet of our faith yeah. back in the days of the restoration of the church. And this is, I think, really good for everyone to know as Latter Day Saints. It was not until the uh, Early 1900s, the article gets into it. I forgot what the, uh, I'm forgetting off the top of my head what the explained rationale was uh, for tilting over to it. I think it was just a turn. Oh, it was a lot of it was the Reed Smoot trial, at least according oh, to yeah, the article. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. That that, that, that all the re- that, all the Reed Smoot stuff. And so the church decided that they just decided to uh, appreciate more about Joseph Smith. A hundred years after the fact when it happened. They started talking about it more, making it more of a mainstay of our belief system. But it's really important to remember for early members of the church, they weren't receiving these missionaries who were like, this man saw God the Father and Jesus Christ. And this is what's important. It was really a lot more about Moroni, the Book of Mormon. Those experiences were the things that drove the early days of the church. And as we you know, know, even up until the turn of the century and beyond, you know, that was the first vision was not the mainstay it is today. So that's a good reminder yeah. for all of yep. us. Even if we're gaga about it now, <laughs> I, I want to imagine what it would be like to uh, be someone receiving the gospel and just like having that never be a part of the discussion in 2020. <laughs> I just don't bring it up. Yeah. Just say. <laughs> so it's actually, it's a good article. It's a thoughtful article. It's a long read too, Peggy. She probably wrote about 1,500 words plus for that. She's got nothing it. else to do, Jeff. She's just at home. She's just hanging out, fletchering and stacking. <laughs> Um, speaking of, let's make it a hat trick with the Trib, Kurt's favorite daily newspaper. Yeah, never miss an issue. Uh, mm -hmm. I I can't read most of the articles because they they block me because I'm not a paid subscriber. (laughs) You just have just open it in an incognito window if you're using Chrome. That's that's what I I push it to my Pocket app, Jeff. That's my hack. That's a smart. Actually, that's a really smart idea. I used to use Pocket for like a day, and then I got bored with it. So, um, this is more about coronavirus. The irony of this article is it says the trip is for providing readers free access to critical stories, but I think this is one of the articles that doesn't load without the pay- <laughs> despite the paywall. <laughs> Whatever. So City Creek, the wonderful outdoor, sometimes indoor mall, depending on if they close the roof, uh, in Salt Lake City, this joint venture with the church, we've talked about it for years here on the show over the past 10 years. Uh, what the you know what the church's involvement should or should not be in these sorts of enterprises, right? Whoop de doo. But it's a mall. It has tenants, regular old tenants. It's not and every tenant's not Deseret Book and a random you know food storage slash apocalypse preparation store. They have an H and M. They have typical stores of a place, which is a whole other discussion about the church profiting off of places that have scantily clad women in their advertising. But whatever. Hey, that's a that's for another time. So, um. 
A March 25th letter to the shopping center's 110 stores and restaurants, Topman Centers, which is the management group, said basically said they're expected to uh, meet their lease obligations. This is a big deal because right now with coronavirus, many across the country are suspending rent payments either for individuals or for businesses in an attempt to help stabilize the economy and not plunge us into a depression. Because if nobody has income coming in, because nobody's buying things, nobody's out shopping right now, you don't have any of that money to pay your rent. So this, of course, in some circles, people have taken this article in the headline and said, the church-owned City Creek, the church is requiring people to pay rent during a crisis. How Christ-like is that? That's what I've seen. And I've seen this. And, and then, there, of course, there's the remarks about, like, what about the $140 billion? Right. <laughs> Where's that? Which I'd like to remind everyone that's an investment portfolio, not a rainy day fund of cash on hand that's just sitting in a vault somewhere. Um Though I like to believe that we keep it all in gold bricks that's actually inside the uh, Cottonwood Canyon vault. That would be awesome. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's straight up Fort Knox in, in there. Um, so it's a little more complicated than that. I don't understand every in and out of it. But you have to remember, this was a joint venture of the church with Tobin Properties. I don't know what the day-to-day relationship is there of actual church individuals or the church's Deseret Holdings, the for-profit wing, actually guiding the, these sorts of things, or if this is really just that the church is a financial player and an investor, and Tobman is the one running the day-to-day and making these calls, which very, very well might be the case. Um, joint venture or not, often there's a day-to-day group, and there's just a, you know, not, you can't have two people running day-to-day, otherwise it wouldn't work. And given that Tobman is the group that specializes in shopping centers, I'm inclined to believe they are the ones that have made the call. And they're trying to figure it out, of course. But uh, it's this is the kind of thing where you see the headline and it becomes very easy to just like trash on the church. How dare everyone do these things and not do it? And I'm all for suspending rent payments and stuff right now, but it's a little more complicated than the headline would suggest. Well, Jeff, there's some, uh, maybe these, a lot of these remaining articles are just, uh, just to mention. I don't well, know. Well, except for that, like really, really good one that everyone has to make sure they listen until the end to hear. Oh yeah. 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 There's yeah, the one, that's... There's, you know, the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well hit me. What do you got? So we got, uh, uh, everything from, you know, Bob Garf dies. He was a prominent uh, figure in Utah that was involved with. He was the speaker of the house. But it's not just that he died. How did he die? He died of the the coronavirus. So COVID nineteen. Yeah, tragic. Um, and he, I think he was late seventies. You know, I don't. And remember, his daughter in law, or his daughter, married Elder Ballard's son. Oh, I, I saw that the last name. I figured there may be a tie. What I have to wonder then is because Ken, because um. Sorry, uh, Bob Garf's dad was Ken Garf, who started Ken Garf Automotive Group. I kid you not, I thought Ken Garf was a guy like in his 40s. Like, hey, I'm Ken Garf with my car dealerships around Utah. What's up? And he wears a red polo shirt. Um, <laughs> yeah. President Ballard worked in the automotive industry oh, as yes. well in his career. So, so there's uh, affinity there. They were networking early on. So, But anyways, I think it's one of those things like just being in Utah, sort of like I didn't really – you know, I, I was not aware of this man uh, until this headline. <laughs> I mean, bless his heart. Uh, but nonetheless, it sort of hit the local media like, whoa, you guys, like, 
this is a, a prominent figure in our city and he died. Like, let's, let's maybe crank this up a few notches of how serious we're taking this. Right? I bet when Larry Miller died, you didn't care either, did you? I, Larry Miller, man, he brought me, he gave us the jazz, okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. And movie theaters. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, I got a quick one for you. Uh, they've done some updates to the general handbook by way of reminder. Handbooks one and two no longer exist. They've been deprecated. And now there is a sole general handbook of instruction for the church. Uh, we knew that they had a handful of fresh, newly done chapters, and then the rest of it, they just brought in previous chapters from the other handbooks. So much so as if you read it online, there's actually sort of a line delineating the newer sections versus the holdovers they brought in. But with the uh, promise that they will update all of the other sections over the next couple of years. So 12 new chapter, 12 of the book's 38 chapters have now been revised in total. So we've got a handful of newly revised chapters, primarily about uh, ironic priesthood quorums, young women groups, and primary. A lot of it's, it's what like you they ex- formalized uh, all the announcements, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's all it is. There's nothing earth shattering here, uh, but it includes uh, the new ironic priesthood theme, which is a new thing altogether for them. Uh, children and youth news, emphasis on, placed on encouraging quorum presidencies to direct the work of their quorum. Likewise for the young women, their theme, emphasis for class presidencies to direct their class. Um, there's The primary one, though, does have more of the content about protecting youth and children. So that one's really good. It, we, we actually get some of the child protection information in there because the seven-year-olds are not reading the manual. It's a manual for adults about the primary folks. They draw a line somewhere. All right, the primary kids don't reference the manual. They don't get to do that. They're not worthy. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's right. Cool. That's cool. It's it's just a it's a an expected update, but an update it is. That's right. Uh, th- this one, I, I the missionaries are complicating the census, Jeff. I don't even know more so realize. now. That's right. Yes. Uh, anyways, it's the census year. Obviously, we do this every ten years, and uh, and. Sometimes missionaries are abroad or in other locations, and so how do we count them? It's different now. The I guess the military is, uh, I guess you're being counted wherever you are serving, even if it's not your home state. Oh, if you're serving in a base out of uh, out of your home state, you know that you get counted for that state where you're where you're uh, doing your military time. So, uh, but obviously with missionaries, it's much different. And they're falling through the cracks. So that article is talks about how that becomes a complication for the census counters. And now even more so with all of them coming home, um, because the census dates are very particular. It talks about who's been living at your house by like April 10th or something, if I recall. it's uh, There's a fine date. So like if you're having a baby, like after that date, you don't count that person on the census. You can't do it. For example, Kurt. So you know. And I was so- kind of confused by that because I don't know. Well, I looked it. I looked it up too. I was like, "Should I count my kids can be born in like?" Four I guess I weeks? didn't go as far to look it up, <laughs> but you just don't do it. Um, it is worth noting on this issue, though. It it has been a point of contention in so much that I, I there were lawsuits involved the last time around because they felt that Utah was undercounted because of the missionary issue and therefore did not get an extra seat in the House of That's Representatives, right. what became Utah's fourth district. So. It is a, it's an understandably sensitive issue for especially somewhere like Utah that has a higher concentration of Latter-day Saints because they don't want to screw up the count and cost them their political voice. Because where would we be if John Curtis were not in power? I mean. Or, yeah. Or the other, yeah. Two, or the other two white guys and Ben McAdams. Where would we be? 
I don't well, even know. Uh, our our friendly co-host Devin probably wouldn't have a seat to run for, right? Devin? Isn't that the that was the new seat? No, he's Utah. Well, he's Utah third. Ben McAdams oh, is, he? is okay. Utah fourth. Yeah. Um, quick one, not LDS related, but everyone saw this going around. There's a new good new <laughs> a new show by hosted this by was jo- phenomenal. John Krasinski of office of the Office fame. Uh, decided to put together a little on his own f- production called Some Good News, where all he's doing is trying to speak for 15 odd minutes with stories that are good news stories while we're all holed up in our homes. And in this one, he even did an interview with Steve Carell. Yeah, uh, great. his philosophy person. I was kind I of hope- shocked how refreshing this was. I mean, obviously, there's you see good news on, you know, Facebook and different things, but like, I don't know, this it was just fun and it was just lighthearted and it was it was so refreshing so definitely don't miss that it's kind of definitely gone viral and i hope he keeps doing it i hope it's not a one-off and he actually makes it a real thing and i love that it's just him with a camera in his office in his house that his daughters designed his logo he's leaning into the diy element of it completely and uh all the temples in the church are closed in case you missed that it that one's been kind of the funniest trickle to me in terms of continuously updating the policy it's like all right we've closed all the ones in asia okay we're closing the temple in seattle Okay, we've closed some of the temples in the Northeast. All right, now we're going to close a couple more here. Then a couple of days later, a couple more. And then finally, they just said, all right, guys, forget it. Just shut them all down. It just, yeah. just, just, we can't keep justifying this one. But that affected people because they were trying to keep them open because many people wanted to still have their wedding. You know, there were yeah. even just a, less than two weeks ago, there were different rules where you could still get married. You could only have eight people there. Uh, but I know some people who were going to get married in the temple like next week. And instead, they just had a civil ceremony. But because of the church's changed rules, about temple ceilings after a civil ceremony, you can just go get sealed. It's very doable now, right? Another case of like that's a rule, that's a policy change that made a lot of sense for tons of reasons at the time. But for all we know, the Lord was also preparing the way for the many people now who'd want to get married would not get sort of hosed down the line. We just don't know. Awesome. Uh, that's all I got, man. We don't have to continue unless you want to talk right. about parking. Unless you want to talk parking lots. <laughs> We'll That's- we'll save that for next week, Jeff. You can uh, you can dive into that. Anywho, everybody, um, we'll be back again on Sunday night. Uh, I don't know if we'll be published on Sunday night, but we'll be joining you the evening after this conference. Kurt will be here along with some others for our All Star General Conference panel, a show that winds up taking an hour and a half to cover all of the content. Unless all the content ever talks about the first vision, in which case we'll just say like, "Yeah, the first vision's cool." Yeah, I'm, we'll, I'm good with <laughs> And we'll talk about the flowers that they have behind the speaker, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm good with it. You know, the fake windows, all that stuff. So we'll, we'll all be getting together Sunday night. Look out for that uh, for another conference show. A um, lot, of, lot of shows coming at you. We'll have three shows published within a one-week time span this week. So happy to do it, everybody. You can find Kurt, of course, at LeadingSaints.org and get the very best on LDS leadership. Uh, if you have personal issues, email him, Kurt, at LeadingSaints. Sure. Dot org. Report your bishop to me because I'll do and, nothing about it. And just like, just vent, gripe, all that stuff, whatever you want to do. Uh, and of course, you can find us, contact at thisweekinmormons.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And what the heck, we were once on Pinterest. Look for that. I got very excited back around 2015 about all kinds of things. And subscribe to our show and give us money on Patreon. Just give us money. But also, like, donate to real charities right now, people who need it. So if you have the means or have the masks or the sanit, like, give up the good stuff. That's what matters. But we appreciate all your support, everybody. And, Kurt, thanks for taking the time to be with us, pal. Hey, thanks for having me. I look forward to Saturday or Sunday. 
Sunday, gonna, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You're going to be so proud of you'll be uh, pounding your chest about your temple predictions and uh, we'll talk Domingo about President Gigante. Nelson's uh, mask that he wore. <laughs> I hope he wears it while he's speaking. That's right. That'd be a good example. Folks, Twim is out. Have a wonderful remainder of your week, and we will talk to you in a few days. Until then, be well, be holy, and be happy. <laughs>